grounded the jets and extinguished the flames. It's the buds. We're here to talk about the buds, the boys, the beauties, the maple leafs. We have a fantastic episode today, jam-packed with four different games to cover for you. And they're all W's, which is always great for Leafs Nation and company. So two wins against the Jets, followed by two wins against the Flames. I mean, can't really complain much when it comes to that. But we're going to start things off with the first game against the Jets. Uh, We had a 3-1 victory over them. And... You know what? That's uh, that's always good. Always good to beat the Jets. I can. I mean, when's the last time you could say we had a a clean sweep of a road trip? We won. We just won four games in a row on the road. I feel like we've done that in recent history. Didn't we sweep like the California road trip? That was like three years ago, though. So that's recent, I guess. But it didn't happen. It was the first time this season, and I'm happy about it. It's great. And I like talking about W's because W's make me happy. <laughs> yeah. For the pods. <laughs> For the pods. Uh, but- so uh, this game was uh, stressful. Oh, mainly I mean, all these games were stressful. Let's be real. None of these games were just like easy going. At least you're going to win every game. It's like, holy shit, my fucking heart is in my chest and I can feel it every fucking time that Hyman has the puck. Hyman. I don't know why I picked him. It just is first thing that came to mind. He's played well. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not trying to throw shade. It's just a thing. What the fuck, man? I was more nervous of Hutchinson being the net, but that's a, th- that's, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's hard to not be afraid with Hutch in the net, but we're not there yet. No, the first we're starting with Austin Matthews just doing Austin Matthews things and scoring goals because he's Austin Matthews. Basically. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it because he's ridiculous. And anybody who's watched any Leaf game knows exactly what we mean when we say Austin Matthews doing Austin Matthews things. Because he just he just scores goals. He just does th- he just does things that the puck ends in the net, and you're like, that doesn't seem fair. He's a cheat code. He should be suspended for being too good at hockey. And then us Leaf fans are just like, well, we've been deprived for most of our fucking lives, so we're happy to have a superstar for the first time ever, and you better fucking like it. Um, yeah, it's not the first time ever, Kian. Uh, yes, you can't forget Matt Sundin. Yes, but Matt Sundin was never leading the league in goals and the the the, the point the conversation for any of the major trophies. Don't get me wrong, I fucking love Matt Sundin. I have his jersey. He was my favorite Leaf of all time. He's arguably the best Leaf of all time, but he was never in the conversation for any of the trophies. He was just a phenomenal player for his entire Leaf tenure. But there was always a better player. Would you categorize him as a superstar? Yes. Well, then we've had a superstar before. <laughs> yeah, but Matthews, I said this the other night, and I don't say this lightly, but Matthews is better than Matt Sundin. And that's fucking insane to say. That's a crazy fucking concept. That's a crazy sentence to come out of my mouth. Especially because the kid's so young. I would never, like, if you asked me seven years ago that I would at least would end up having a player that'd be better than, than, than Matt Sandin, I would have said you're a fucking crazy person. And now we have this guy who's just ridiculous on all fronts. 
All fronts. He just finds a way to score goals all the time. Like, he could be invisible the whole fucking game and then just goal. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> like, he just needs, a, he needs one shot. That's he's, all he needs. He's 23 years old. I know. He's looking better. It's crazy that he's just still scratching the surface of what he's capable of and... It's just he's uh, he's just so good and like that goal he scored against the Winnipeg Jets was wasn't even like a spectacular goal, but it's like it was the stepping stone he needed to like get truly back on track because he had a bit of the drought after the wrist injury, but you could tell the wrist is no longer really bothering. That break, those two extended breaks, really helped him, and the shots coming back, and we got to see it full blown last night. But we'll get there. How about that grinding effort from Zach Hyman to just get an absolute... He kind of scored a goal that you would score. Yeah. An absolute garbage, greasy goal. Oh, yeah. I'm the king of the greasy goals. <laughs> and Zach... Zach Hyman's I, the I, NHL equivalent. I've said this for years. I've said this for years, funny enough, that if I was an NHL player, I would be Zach Hyman. I'd be Jake Muzzin. <laughs> like, if I was an NHL player, I'd be Zach Hyman. I'd work my ass off, I'd throw the body, I'd be an annoying-as-fuck player to play against because I won't ever let up on you, and I'll just score really ugly, dirty, garbage goals because I go to the dirty areas. If I were to categorize myself on defense, it's Jake Muzzin easily. On forward, it's Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. That, those, that, that's my demographic right there but anyway we're not here to talk about us we're here to talk no, about we're, the bots. We're, we're way too bad at hockey to be talking about yeah us. seriously we're just a couple of bums who <laughs> haven't played in a year so you know but how about the shorty but alex kerfoot <laughs> what a snipe oh what God. a snipe like it's it's it it honestly breaks my heart that he's probably gonna get traded <laughs> well here's the thing that like that's He's the obvious trade piece because he's playing on the fourth line and he's making three and a half mil. But I like him, man. I really like him. He's such a good piece. Well, like that, the, where that conversation point comes up is like, is Chucky good enough that he eliminates our need for a top six forward? I think he is. I think he fits perfectly there. And I would not be surprised at all if Dubas just stands pat at the deadline. So where my one pushback would come is that I have a strong belief that Sheldon Keefe, uh, belief in Keefe, uh, <laughs> Sheldon Keefe really wants Zach Hyman on that third line with McKayev and Engvall. He really wants that line because he wants them to just be a super duper effective third line. And it's, as we know, it's way more effective with Hyman there. But uh, they haven't found someone that could actually play with Matthews and Marner other than Hyman. Like they've tested out a bunch of people. They've tested out Simmons there. They've tested out Thorne there. They've tested out Kerfoot there. They've tested out fucking everyone there. And the only person that works there is Hyman. So if you could bring in another winger that could slide into that role and fill it and knock Hyman down to that third spot where they want him, well, it's going to cost you Kerfoot. Yeah, but that, there's a lot of risk involved in that because guys who play the same style as Zach Hyman are, are a dime a dozen. Like, like, good luck finding another Zach Hyman in the league. They're hard to come by. It's true. Um, 
and that's just the exact type of player that Marner and Matthews need because you need somebody to do their dirty work. That like it's as simple as that. And the risk there is do you give up Kerfoot, who right now is a very good piece, he's producing very well, he fits very well, and, and you know, he's just playing great hockey. Do you give up that piece for a chance that maybe another guy will fit on that top line? Because let's say, for example, let's say you do bring in another guy who is a similar skill set to Hyman, similar work ethic. But what if he's just not a fit on that line? Then what? No, that's a very, very, very fair point. I mean, is it worth the risk? That's that's kind of the inevitability of the NHL. And like the counterpoint to that is that if you don't trade... Uh, if you don't trade Kerfoot, that means you have to expose him. Right. And then you could lose him for nothing anyways. So would you not want to recoup an asset for a potential expiring UFA who you wouldn't have to protect, who might fit well into that top six, and you could focus on protecting the people you need to protect. See, you're, that's the crazy thing about this whole situation that Dubas has to deal with right now is that he's trying to win. Like we know the Leafs are trying to win now. Like this is a window. This is this is the season in a situation where you can get to the conference final, and the path to it is pretty clear because all you have to do is beat all the teams we've smashed all season. So the path to the conference final is a clear road, which we haven't had in ages. Because we've always had to, oh, you have to go, you have to go through Boston, you have to go through Tampa. We don't have to go through either of them to get to the conference finals. So you need, they need, he need, Dubas understands he needs to go all in, but he also has to be prepared for the fucking expansion draft this summer. Yeah, understanding that he's gonna lose someone for nothing, and you need to strategically plan on who that someone is gonna be. Yeah, and and that's the tricky thing because. Those are, are kind of conflicting ideologies where, yes, Dubas wants to obviously prepare for the future and prepare for that expansion draft and not leave somebody up for grabs that is valuable to the team. But at the same time, he wants to prepare to win. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. What you're doing negatively impacts the opposite thing that you're trying to do. So if you're trying to win for now, you might make a move that might at least leave you having somebody exposed in the expansion draft. But on the flip side, if you leave, if you don't leave somebody exposed, then you're just kind of gambling on what you have. So it's, it's a balancing act. Absolutely. So what if you could bring in someone like uh, uh, Nick Foligno or well, Kyle Palmieri? Here's exactly what the Leafs would need. And I, I say this with a lot of confidence. Is there's two different style players that they should be looking for. If they, if they are to trade for anybody, you should either be bringing in, number one, another Zach Hyman, or two, another Wayne Simmons. Those are the only two players that are worth getting. Which is why when I look at the trade bait board and I look at potential trade targets for the Leafs, I think Kyle Palmieri doesn't really fit the bill. No. 
can score goals, but he's he's a little more of a Kerfoot than a Simmons or a Hyman. Well, what are you going to put him with Spezza and fucking well, Thornton and well, just exactly. have the seniors line? Exactly. Which is why I lean more towards a Nick Felino. I, I you know Nick Felino is a good option, but I'm worried more so about the cost of Nick Felino. Yeah. Like, like Nick Fingers is going to cost us Kerfoot because he makes two and a half million more. It's going to cost us Kerfoot at a minimum. And then it'll probably cost us a, a second and a prospect. Yeah. I think, like, of all our prospects, Lilligren's the odd man out. That's the guy who you're fine with parting with. Especially since we have uh, the Finnish kid coming up as well. Like, Lilligren has not panned out the way we expected him to. Although he hasn't really gotten the opportunity, but like he's been injury prone. And but even of, in the AHL, he hasn't been anything. Yeah, he hasn't special. been anything special. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if if we if the trade happened tomorrow, where the Leafs acquired Nick Foligno for Alex Kerfoot, a second and and uh, and Lilligren, I'm not mad about that because not only is Nick Foligno gritty as fuck and plays very similar to Wayne Simmons, but he can also play center and take faceoffs on penalty kills, and he's just a perfect power, uh, playoff performer that you want. I, I do think he would be a great fit, but it has to be the right deal. I wouldn't throw too many assets at Nick Foligno. If you can get him for like Kerfoot and Lilligren, I would do that deal. I, you'd probably have to throw a pick in there because I think Columbus is on the brink of having to rebuild. I If you could swing like a third rounder, I think you'd have to push to a second because of how uncertain this 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 upcoming draft is with nobody be able to do any scouting. Well, here's the thing. That could work both ways. A third rounder could carry a higher value because people haven't been scouted. That's true. I, that's true. I, I like. I heard an interesting take today on Leafs Lunch. It was the fact that, like, um, actually, it wasn't even on Leafs Lunch. I was, listening to, I was watching something on YouTube. Basically, it was just that, that idea that the uncertainty of the prospects this for this upcoming draft because that so many teams haven't had a chance to see these players and understand where they might might land the chances of getting a top 10 guy late in the first in the first round or early in the second increases exponentially because those guys might not have had a chance to show themselves and rise up the ladder right so everyone's making these decisions off of their 2019 scouting when those people, those kids were all a year younger, right? And we we all know how much can change in one year of development, especially when you're that young and right pre like pre draft age. Like for fuck so sakes, look at change. Austin Matthews and the development in his defensive game this year. Well, Ridiculous! He's doing things you never see before. Well, either way, like look look at the difference between Connor Brown to to take someone who's not a superstar. Look at the difference between Connor Brown pre pre draft and post draft. That's a one year. That's a one year difference. He went from being a middle of the pack OHL player to be leading the league in points. That's how much a year can make at that age. That's the difference a year can make. And so, first round like picks this year have a a really high quality because if you have a good scouting staff and you uh, you believe in their opinions, like you could find a steal real late because of how uncertain everyone is around around the actual talent of the draft and how it all plays out because of the the fact that most of the players haven't played anything or have just started playing now. Like the WHL just started playing. 
Although, have you seen the fucking fifth the guy they gave exceptional status to, who's been just crushing the WHL? Uh, oh, oh, I, I did hear about it. Fuck, this guy's rolling it over a point per game. Connor Bedard, I think his name is. Yeah. I, 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 I saw one or two highlights. He's from leading him. the league in points as a fucking fifteen-year-old. That's yeah. crazy. Well, they don't just give exceptional status to anybody. Oh, I know, but that's crazy. Not even McDavid did that. To be fair, he was playing in the OHL, and I think somebody might get mad at me. But I think the OHL is by far the best league in the CHL. It's not debatable. It it's is. not. Like the Q is just an offensive dream and the whl is just straight up defenseman ohl is the perfect balance yeah i think the ohl is by far the best league which is why it's produced the most players Hmm. but i'm sorry but leading the league as a 15 year old ain't nothing to shake a stick and he has 12 game point streak like i wonder if he would transition to the o no i don't i don't think that's ever happened in the history of the chl i don't think i've there's ever been a player who's switched between. But CHL I mean, when leagues. you're cleaning up this much in the WHL, why wouldn't you? Well, why also wouldn't you just take the confidence boost and just keep destroying it? Set all the records. I guess. Yeah, well, it's a two-sided <laughs> coin. Anyway, <laughs> like, would you really want to go to the OHL and have to compete with Tavares's records? Like, Tavares's records that are ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, this all started because Kerfoot got a shorty. <laughs> it's true. Back to the fucking game. Yeah. We've been very distracted. Oh, they had a late power play goal from who, Kian? From Josh <laughs> fucking Morrissey. I just said this before the episode. It's like, I swear, this guy, I said his name wrong one time. Actually, it was like three times in the same episode. But I said his name wrong one time, and he decides to score a goal on us every fucking time we play him now. It, it, it seems that way. <laughs> fucking Josh Morrissey. Guy has two goals. Both of them are against the Leafs. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> but, you know, in this game, ultimately, uh, a big performance from Jack Campbell, and he has just been a fucking legend a in rock. the net. An absolute stud. Like, the fact that he just tied the Leafs' record for most wins just in a row is, is crazy. Held by Felix the Cat. Yeah. We, Which is awesome. And we were like the biggest pot van. Oh, well, yeah, we fans. still have the fucking, we have a poster room somewhere here. Like, the guy's well, a fucking well, legend. One of the coolest things was seeing him play in the, the alumni game in yeah. this Tenniel Classic. I'm, I'm really happy to say that that was actually my second time getting to see him. And, like, I was talking to my dad about this this weekend. It was just the fact that I'm so happy that I was able to see a, a, hawk, a Leafs game at Maple Leaf Gardens before it closed. And I saw a power a, a, I saw a playoff game between the Islanders and Leafs in Maple Leaf Gardens. And it, it's it's still surreal to me because it was like 2 years before the arena closed. Yeah. Well, you got 3 years on me and that's why my first ever Leaf game was in the ACC. <laughs> well, there you go, right? And that's the thing is like I'm glad I can be able to talk to my kids like back in my day I went to see a game at the Maple Leaf Gardens before it turned into a Loblaws. Dude, they're they're going to say you are old as fuck, man. Are you kidding me, man? Our generation is going to be the most hilarious old people ever. We're going to be like, back in my day, we had a pandemic. We had to deal with it to stay home and talk to people on Zoom and Dude, stuff. senior homes are just going to be full of people playing Mario Kart. Oh, we already knew that. That was that was a given. <laughs> and, the N64 set up in every fucking old age home for the rest of the anyway, time. Anyway, the Leafs 
had a, a decent game minus the power play. I mean, you have five power plays. You didn't score in a single one. Yeah, pretty... the power play has been a, a struggle, to say the least. Yeah, and yeah, you know, it, it, it continues throughout the rest of the game. So we'll dive into that a little bit more. Um, but this was ultimately a, a huge win, mainly because this game had first place on the line. Mm-hmm. So, like, the winner of this game was taking over first place in the North. Like, the Jets had that opportunity to leapfrog us, and we... And we, we told the Jets to go fuck themselves. Yeah, we said, sorry, you're not... You, you are cleared for landing, and that's about it. No. No takeoffs. No, no, we just made them circle in the air and send them back home. Oh, oh, sorry. The weather, weather conditions are not favorable <laughs> for landing, even. Exactly. Either. They're just going to run out of fuel. <laughs> Reminds me of a story of a time I was I was in Boston for work and I and I and I was waiting for my my flight and it kept getting delayed. But the, it, at my exit, there was also a a bunch of a bunch of people who were waiting for a flight from Newfoundland, I think it was, and they were waiting for this flight and the, they were saying the fl- the flight was literally above the airport, like just doing circles. So, because it wasn't allowed to land because of weather, so this flight is just doing circles for like two hours, and they're like, "Sorry, we can't clear your land because of the storm in Chicago," and they sent it back to Newfoundland. To Newfoundland after circling? After circling? Wouldn't they not like just pick the closest airport? At that I don't know. They sent they sent it back somewhere else, and so all these people who've been waiting for hours to get on this fucking flight all have to book a room to stay overnight because their flight was literally there had to fucking dip out. I'd be so fucking mad. Oh my god, I was mad about my delay until I saw those I, people. I'd be walk even out. more mad to that they didn't go to the, the closest airport where weather <laughs> conditions are fine. Why do I have to? go all the way back where i came from <laughs> i was i was not because my flight got delayed as well obviously but it it was a later flight so it didn't, it didn't actually cancel theirs got fully canceled and i was like i was mad about my flight until i saw what they had to deal with and i was like i'm i'm fine I'm all fine. right so moving on to the second game against the jets and i mean this 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 was all jack campbell yeah this this is ultimately a very boring hockey game we're talking in like only two real goals scored in the game. Yeah, I mean, we lost in the fucking... We won in the skills competition, which we all know is just, like, the worst inclusion in hockey ever. Like, why can't you just add five minutes to overtime and just let it be overtime? Even if I... You know what's crazy? And I think it is genuinely crazy me to think this. Is like, I would prefer the Leafs lose in overtime that was extended than win in a shootout. I'll take the two points, bud. Yeah, so would I. But I'd rather us win in overtime than win in a fucking sh- the skills company. What a joke. I agree. Just make it 10-minute OT. Yeah. That's all it would take. That's all it would take. It's crazy. 10-minute, three-on-three, somebody's going to score. Like, it was such a boring game otherwise. Yeah, it was, it was very uneventful. Travis Dermott, though, finally getting uh, on the board there. Oh, man. And, and the only reason he scored that goal is because he decided to just fucking shoot. Just quick shot, quick release. We've we've said this for weeks, for weeks, that there were so many times where Leaf players would have an opportunity and they would take a second to set up and try to get the perfect shot or the perfect pass or the perfect play. And Travis Dermott just got the puck and just fucking let her rip. Didn't even care. And and I beat him. I mean, uh, but still, you know, got to give credit to Zach Bogosian and Jason Spezza for the, the apples on the play. 
and uh, they set them up at the point, and you know it, what they say, man. If you have a clear lane, just put it on net, and good things will happen. And uh, Travis Dermott showed us that. So, so you know, good on him because, especially because he was not playing very well, he was a dud, and uh, now he is He's further proving that duds have powers. Duds have powers. If we name somebody a dud, you know, sooner or later they're going to turn it around. If, if we need someone a dud, they're going to score a goal. Yeah, the the worst dud bounce back performance was Jimmy VC because it took him so long, but then he got two a two goal game. But who cares about Jimmy VC? He's not even a Leaf anymore. He's a Canuck. He yeah. doesn't. We're, we're anymore. all about Chucky now. He's, yeah, we're all, <laughs> we're all about Chucky. Speaking of Chucky, because we can switch to the next game because there's literally nothing. Yeah, else not, there's nothing else to talk about. Like Jason Spets has scored a, a, a yeah. Gross we can talk about Spet, the uh, Jack Campbell was an absolute stud in that shootout. Also. I usually am one to always choose TSN over Sportsnet, but what the fuck was that, them not showing the first shot in the shootout? You know, I saw a lot of um, fuck-ups from TSN as far as the camera goes. Remember, one, they started showing a replay, but you could still hear Gord calling the actual play that was ongoing. So clearly, you know, Gord's calling the game because it's fucking live, but whoever the hell's in charge of their, their framing and their angles and... The camera, the camera selection, work yeah. is just come on, man, do better. Yeah, just do better. You're looking like sports now. <laughs> but I was pissed off though. Like, I mean, it was great that that fucking Campbell made the save, but I don't want to come in and from a commercial break that was way too long, anyways, and watch a fucking save without even getting to see the context. Yeah, we're watching the replay. <laughs> yeah, we're watching the replay of the save, but whatever. Jason Spezza goes in. Gross move on fucking Hellebuck. Spezza. Just Spezza doing Spezza things, because apparently we fucking... Uh, uh, he's always been good at Apparently he just it. turned into fucking uh, Ottawa Senator Spezza this year, and it's, uh, I'm not mad about it. No. I did the math the other day. We're paying him 83 grand per goal. Uh, thank you very much. For context, Austin Matthews leading the league in points. We're paying him $450,000 per, per goal. Now, that's not to say Matthews isn't disgusting, but just to show how valuable it is to have a guy like Jason Spets on this team. I think that I speak for all Leaf fans when I say we love Spets so much. And it, it comes down to a few things. And I, I know that for the older generation of Leaf fans, that this is a, a weird thing. Oh, very. Because yeah. we are so used to hating Spets for being the all-star on the, the Senators that we would face basically every fucking year in the playoffs and beat them every time which is always great yeah like that that makes it easier but it didn't help that they kicked the shit out of us in the regular season like i remember vividly games where like him and heatley and alfredson would put up fucking seven like eight points between them and demolish us eight one every fucking game yeah and then we beat them in the playoffs (laughs) well like yeah that, that memory hasn't gone away but somehow some way I fucking love Jason Spezza now. Well, here's what did it, man. It, it was like we love. We started loving Jason Spezza after last year's play-in round, where he was the only one who had the balls to drop the mitts and showed that he gave a fuck about the series. His give a fuck. His give a fuck meter was off the charts. Yeah, and I have mad respect for anybody who has a give a fuck meter off the charts because that's what the Leafs need. Agreed. You can't have prima donnas in this game. This is this is a game of passion and heart. And I don't care how skilled you are, if your heart's not in it, if you're not living and dying on every play, then you're not going to be successful. Facts. Especially in the playoffs. Because that's where that shit's magnified. 
And that's what Spezza showed us, showed all of Leafs Nation, is that, look, I'm not known as a fighter. And I am willing to go out there and fight for my team because I care. This is my one of my last shots at this. Like, this is my last hurrah with this team. With the league. Yeah, right? Uh, well, that's why. With this team, with Sorry, in, in the league. Go ahead. Um, and he just... He exemplifies what we want all Leafs to behave like. And that even got even more uh, amplified through this season when he was put on waivers. And that, like, this is, I think this is where it became like, okay, we respect you. We respect you. Two, we fucking love you. <laughs> this, is where, this, is where, this is where the change was. It, it went from that to uh, him being put on waivers because of the stupid taxi squad waiver rule um, and Spezza having his agent come out and say if anybody else claims Jason Spezza on waivers he is going to retire on the spot because <laughs> friggin buddy here is only here to play for the buds fuck everybody else the, buds, the boys not, the beauties he's not, he's, not, he's not waiting around here to get claimed by a Detroit Red Wings or a fucking Anaheim Ducks Oh, are you kidding me? The only team that claims the Maple Leafs is Vancouver Canucks, those fucking but rats. But even still, you're not even <laughs> in the playoffs. I know, but like, come on, you fucking get your own players. I know you're mad at Calgary for taking all your guys in free agency, but it doesn't mean to come and snag all of ours, you jerks. <laughs> well, well, the, the point is, he, I, I can't remember a player that's ever done that. Neither have I. I can't remember anything. That, I, that was the first time I'd ever heard a situation Right. Like so, like, mad respect for, for Spezza because that just shows he's here because he loves Toronto. He, he loves the Leafs. He wants to be part of something big here. This, also, this might sound a little pompous because we're from Toronto and we'll definitely get some hate from non-Toronto people. But, like, that mindset, that situation is the embodiment of why being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan is so special. That you're, you're part of Leaf Nation. You're part of something that is ingrained in your soul. Like, do you like? Do you really think if we had a choice, we would choose to choose for the to cheer for the Maple Leafs of how bad they were for most of our lives? Probably not. Exactly. We're here because we have a true passion for the city to support it and we love being part of the Leaf Nation community and Jason Spezza is someone who grew up in Toronto he went to St. Michael's like the guy has been here his whole life was a Leaf fan his whole life and then just happened to get drafted by the arch fucking rivals the Senators like well, that's to be not, fair he was drafted before they were arch rivals yeah true, whatever he got drafted by the fucking he was the, part of the fucking rivalry yeah building. like it, it, it like it wasn't his fault but like no. it just comes to show that like you're from Toronto, you cheer for the Leafs, and it doesn't go away just because you make the show. He's had, he has a chance to play in Toronto, has a genuine chance to win the Stanley Cup in Toronto, which, from, with, from, which being a guy from the city knows exactly how much that means to the city. That, would, that could be one of the greatest achievements in sports history is to be a part of coming over they, that drought. We, we've said this for years. If... If and when the Leafs do eventually win the Stanley Cup, every player on that team 
will be idolized forever in this city. They will never have to pay for a meal. They'll never have to pay for a drink. They will get treated like straight up fucking royalty for like the rest of their lives. God. They could have played fucking Michael Hutchison, who won't play a single game in the playoffs, hopefully, fingers crossed, would be treated like a god in this city just for being part of the team. Straight up. The guys who are sitting on the taxi squad who don't play a single game in the playoffs would be treated like gods if this, this team wins the Stanley Cup. And Jason Spezza understands that passion and what it means to be a Leaf. And I have such a great appreciation for that passion yeah. and understanding. And that is why Leafs Nation loves Spets. Yeah. We love them. And keep them coming. You know, it was so funny, Matt Stajan asking how many games he's got, how many years he's got. <laughs> it was left. game by game. Yeah, by was like, <laughs> come on, you know, one game at a time here. Yeah, well, honestly, Spets, play for us till you, till you can't physically yep. anymore. Please. You're welcome on this team until you can't. Because that you can't measure heart, and he's all heart. All day. And he's still got the skill to back it up. Oh, yeah. And well, now we're going to move on. Into the back-to-back against the Flames, which made me nervous to start. But yeah. the, the boys pulled it out. Yeah, you, you, they sure did because that that first period of the first game, you, you know, except for Riley going in and snipping. Yeah, like first shot of the game. Oh my god, what a fucking! Where's that been all season, Riles? Yeah, what the fuck, man? You scored twenty goals in this league before, and you're at four this season, man. Come on, you're better than that. But that was like, I want to see more of those snipes, more of that, please. And then not that, so good things then the, then happen. The, then the bad stuff. Well, I, I mean, as much as we rag on Hutch, I can't blame him for that first goal because it was a really good tip in front. Yeah, I agree. The second goal, though, oh, my God, Hutch. Just stop a puck, please. I, the, the fucked up thing is, is that, like, the thing we, we say about Hutch all the time in all seasons he played for us is what we've been saying about Freddie this season is that sometimes... We just fucking need a save. Sometimes your players are going to make a fucking mistake. It happens. And the difference between the games that Jack Campbell's been in the net and everyone else has been in the net is that when those mistakes happen, they don't end up in the back of the net. And wow. it seems that every time a mistake happens when Hutchinson's in the net, it ends up in the net. And... and, the, and Unfortunately so, the same could be said for Freddie this season. I mean, Freddie hasn't played very much this season, though. He's played, like, 22 games. And he has a sub-900 save percentage. Well, he's played injured out of necessity to Ag prevent... Agreed, agreed. I, I, I don't think that Freddie's showcasing this season has been representative of his actual skill, and I think he was absolutely pushing through an injury because there wasn't another option. But even early in the season, because you can't say he was been injured all season. Like even early in the season, it's just like sometimes we need a fucking save, and that's why so many people are are jumping on the Jack Campbell bandwagon of like the guy just makes saves. He just does what you want him to. Like I was saying it last night. Like we were being hemmed in our zone. We had guys who were on the ice for two minutes. Things were getting scrambly, and in most situations, that would end up in a penalty for the Leafs, and we'd end up killing a penalty and end up letting a goal into that power play. But instead, Jack Campbell swallows a fucking shot from the point, gets a fucking whistle, 
and does what the team needs. And that's the kind of shit we've been missing. Is that we sometimes the goalie just needs to understand what's happening and shut a play down. Just get a whistle. Just help things reset. Because that is the goalie's job. The goalie's job is not just to make saves. It's to, be, to read the play and understand when the boys need a whistle. When the boys need a break. When things need a reset. And that's the difference between superstar goalies and not. It's not necessarily always, oh, you have to make the craziest saves. Malcolm Subban has one of the best saves all season. He's not even a starter in the league. Everyone can make a crazy save. It's about consistency and knowing when and where to stop the play. And Jack Campbell has been fantastic at that this season. Yeah, he has. And, you know, I, I, I love Jack Campbell. But, you know, for all the people saying that we should just make him our starter. Well, that's pump a, your brakes. Yeah, pump the brakes. Because we, we got to see a bigger sample size because the work, just the workload. The guy can't even be in two games in a row. Yeah, come on. Like He, he takes a break after every game. He's, get, he's tweaking injuries in a, a, a backup role. In a starter role, the stress on your body is so much greater. And I think that's, well, I mean, obviously, that's why Freddie has been injured so much. Oh, yeah, because he's been worked to the bone for the last four well, years. Consi- yeah, I mean, considering he played over 60 games three years in a row, that's absurd. Well, and the, and the, and the sad thing is, like the expectation this year was that the him and him and Campbell were gonna almost split the games. Like it was a fifty six game season. We were probably expecting Freddie to play thirty five and and Campbell to play the rest. Then Campbell gets injured in the fifth game of the season, and all that goes to shit. And we have to ride Freddie for fifteen games after him already being injured. So yeah. it's tough. Shit yeah. happens. I'm I'm glad that we have Campbell. Big ups to Kyle Dubas for making that trade and acquiring someone who could actually fill that slot effectively. Because can you imagine where we'd be if we didn't have Jack Campbell? Oh, uh, right if Hutch was our, uh, we'd be fucked. We'd, we'd be, be fucked. fucked. We'd be so fucked. Actually, when you think about it that way, Aaron Dell would have been our backup, and we would have lost Hutch. We still would have been fucked. Have you seen the games Aaron Dell's played in New I, Jersey? I haven't. No. They're real bad. That doesn't help that New Jersey's just a bad team. Yeah, they're real bad. But like. He hasn't played well in New Jersey. He's just been Hutch in okay. New Jersey. But how about Chucky? Chucky! Chucky! <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there, too. Chucky! Like, oh, my God. I was so happy for the guy. So happy for the guy. Like You can see the fucking just like relief and passion in his eyes. He was just like, yes, I finally fucking did it, boys. He fucking deserved it, too. Absolutely. He's been working so hard. I have loved everything about his game and how he's fit on that line. And I was saying this to you last night is like I feel like he's given a a different element and almost brought a bit of passion out of that line. Kind of pulled them back into the way they used to be. And I, and I really like it. And if if it ends up working out to the point where like Chucky fills that top 6 position that we were hoping to fucking trade for, keep him. That's great. Spend that money on a backup goalie or a fucking spend it on another defenseman. Like, we have tons of forward talent. That's the crazy thing is, like, Nick Robertson hasn't even played a fucking factor this season. Because he got really badly injured. Yeah, and then, uh, and his, but, like, he, you know he's going to get a shot here over the next few weeks, and he's going to get a shot near the end of the week. Like, 
we have top six caliber forwards who can fill that slot. Yeah, that's why I've never so, understood why we would be so desperately searching for a top six forward. The reason is because we don't have someone who fills the left, the top line left wing slot super effectively other than Hyman. Well, here's the thing. Maybe Nick Robertson slots into that third line position I, and pushes. No. No, 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 no. Or vice versa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like, I, I don't think you would... I don't think it makes any sense, and I said this to you before the season started, which is the whole reason I didn't think Nick Robertson was make the team. Because if he made the team, he would have to play a bottom six role, and I don't think that's what he thrives in. You think with the type of player he is, similar to Galchenyuk, actually, because if you think about how Galchenyuk was treated after he left Montreal, he kept was kept getting being put in a bottom six role, and it's like, oh, I wonder why Galchenyuk's not being successful, and it was partially just like the guy's stuck in a bottom six, he's playing with garbage, and he needed to be put into a top six role so he could be successful. Oh, weird! He comes to Toronto, gets put next to Wheelie and Wheeler and John Tavares, and all of a sudden he's playing great. Oh, weird! How you put him with fucking talented players in a top six position, and he's actually doing what you fucking wanted him to. And I think Nick Robertson is the exact same. He's a guy that has an immense amount of skill and talent, and you don't put those types of players into a bottom six role to grind shit out. That's not what he's built to do. He's built to score goals, and he guys got a ridiculous shot. You put him with people who can put him in a position to score. Absolutely. But the beauty about the Galchenyuk goals then in the third period leads to JT scoring his uh, first in a little while there. I, I mean, he, he's been playing really well. It just hasn't been... Hasn't been the offensive season you'd hope with him. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I think this week uh, was a a big turning point for him. And, you know, I'm just very happy about that. It's always good to see your captain leading the way, and especially when he's on a line with William Nylander, who's also had his own struggles. It's always good to see the the chemistry there and and them both overcoming each of their hurdles and, and ultimately becoming the players that we know that that they are capable of being. And I think that Chucky is just the perfect fit on that line to give them that spark, to give them that extra jump and ultimately make them the the all-stars that they are because they are uh, an all-star line. Don't don't get me wrong here. And that that's what you want to see. Like that that is that is what you want. You want to see John Tavares and William Nylander playing to their full t- Full potential, and I think Chucky is the perfect, perfect piece to to complement each of their skill set. He works hard. He grinds in the corners when they're not willing to. He he's got a good skill set. He can get them the puck when they need it. And ultimately, Chucky is going to be the heartbeat of of, of that second line of of Tavares and Nylander. I couldn't agree more. I mean, like Chucky's has done everything you could have asked from a second line winger. Like the guy. Four checks really well. He like throws the body. He's got a good amount of skill that he can make the moves to Tavares and Elander when needed. And he he takes attention away from the two big boys. Which like you wouldn't have thought prior to him joining because of how shitty of development he'd had to this point. But now that he's getting to that idea that he actually knows that he can still put up points and that the chemistry is really building there between those three guys, it just makes sense that he's that it, it, the goals are going to start coming. And 
I thought like that goal on Friday was inevitable. I mean, the guy had hit like three posts and had multiple chances to throw score goals, and he he was well deserving of the goal that he got. And I think it has been noticeable. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I thought it was very noticeable the difference in how Galch- how Tavares and Nylander have played since Chucky joined their line. Because he he brings that energy and he almost and and the fact that he knows he's fighting for his career, like it's not like he's just fighting for a spot in the lineup. It's just not the same. It's not the same as looking at those bottom six guys who are just fighting for a chance. Yalchenyuk is literally fighting for his career. He's been on six different NHL teams, been passed around. This is his last shot, and he knows it. And you can tell with his play, the urgency is there. And that urgency is something that the that Tavares line was missing all season. It's literally one of the biggest fucking points that people have against Nylander is that he doesn't play with enough give a fuck. And Galchenyuk brings some of that give a fuck and raises it to a whole fucking other level. So I'm just, I'm so excited to see that line continue to mesh and, and build off of the success they've had so far. And I think he just raises the give a fuck meter to a whole other level, which is only going to be good news for us. Because if that line can, can start to produce at a really consistent level, that means they have to focus on two lines to shut down. Because we all know that Austin Matthews is just going to continue to snipe as he did in the third period. Absolutely. And, you know, biggest big assist from Mitch Marner and, of course, Zach Hyman getting in on there with the secondary assist. I would really wish that Zach Hyman would... S- Stop getting so many points. We don't have to pay him a million dollars at this fucking season. Yeah. Oh my god, he's me expensive. Let's just win the cup this year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's fucking win the cup this year. Uh, all right. Let's cover this last game before we get into the buds or duds. All right. Well, this was an actual like a good game. Like this, what one kept you on your toes? It was a lot back of and forth, a lot of back place. and forth. Although, literally, arguably, one of the most boring first periods of all time. Yeah, the first. Pe- <laughs> it's it's hilarious, especially yeah. for a late game. Well, I, I'm looking at the box score, and it's like the first period, no goals, and then the second and third are just a clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah, like in a game that ends up five three, the fact there was no goals in the first period is kind of fucked. Well, you know, the TSN broadcast really. Um, brought to light that this is exactly what their new coach wants in Daryl Sutter. He's working out real well for you, buddy. A boring-ass game. But let me tell you, the fact that the Leafs can hang around in a boring-ass game says a lot because they don't need a million chances to let you up. They need maybe one or two. I think that... I think someone mentioned on the broadcast, or they mentioned today on the Leafs' lunch, but it was the fact that, like... I think if you were to look at in previous seasons, a game like last night, especially how it started, Leafs would have got frustrated, and they would have tried to start forcing things, and they would have made stupid mistakes, and the puck went in the back of their net. But instead, they bided their time, capitalized on their opportunities, and built the lead and won the game. And I think that bodes to the additions of Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza and Wayne Simmons and these guys who... You know, if you take just those three guys and add them together, they have over 3,000 NHL games of experience. Damn. Think about that for a second. 3,000 games of experience between three dudes. You can't, you can't tell me that those guys aren't impacting the mood of the people on the bench there. It's like, guys, we're fine. It doesn't matter they tied it up. 
we can go out there and we can just keep doing our thing. We're a better team than them. We can find a way. And who the fuck comes out there and scores the fucking goal to take the lead? Spats. Wayne fucking Simmons, first of all, takes the lead. Scores his goal, first goal since being back from the broken wrist. And you could tell that it fucking lifted the weight of the fucking world off him. He had the fucking ape off of his back. And he was just so hyped to get it. Obviously, the unfortunate shorthanded goal. But then Austin Matthews comes out and just like, dude, Spats opened the scoring. I know, but I'm talking about after things got tied up, when things were on the rocks, the big boy, the the old men were the ones that showed up, and Wayne Simmons went out there and fucking got the goal. That's true, but before that happened, Austin Matthews did something we haven't seen in a long time. Which was score out a traditional Austin Matthews snip. Exactly. It was so great to see. The the classic Austin Matthews. The classic Austin Matthews cheat code goal. Yeah. (laughs) The signature, just like <laughs> drag and shoot. It's like the guy just he, he, he typed in the the cheat goal for free goal and just fucking went in. And it's and like the weird thing is, is like that play reminded me why Nylander and Matthews were so successful together. Because Nylander just like dropped the puck to Matthews and then just drew two defensemen with him and gave him literally like four miles of space. And yeah, Matthews he was like, so okay, much. cool. And he just fucking snipped cheese. But like it's plays like that, and, and that make me wonder: is like, should we split up Matthews and Marner? But then, like, they do the things that they did the well, other night. Well, here's like, here's the thing: you know. I, I think that's that's perfect because I'm not a, a firm believer in having a set lineup, and, and I think Keith would share that opinion, um, especially when it comes to playoffs, because you're playing the same team over and over and over. They're gonna figure out a lineup. Let's say you're in a series that's 2-2. Let's say you played Marner and Matthews for the first four games, and the series is 2-2. First two games you win, second two games they figure it out. Now you have the option to split them up. You put Marner with Tavares, who already has some chemistry there. You put Nylander with Matthews, who already has chemistry. So all of a sudden, that whole defense strategy that the other team came up with is now out the fucking window. And we... have the same dangerous attack, but from a completely different angle. Because mm-hmm. they, they impact each other in different ways. Ex- exactly. Yeah, you're totally right. So I, I would prefer having that option rather than having like the Boston model where you have one line that's unreal and that's it. To be fair, Boston never had a John Tavares as a second line center. <laughs> yeah, they had David Krejci and who the fuck. But like the the weird thing is like I, I, I was like I totally agree with you. Like I think I, and I think it should happen. Like where you're saying it should happen in like game five to throw a different matchup like in a new game. I think they should do that more within the game. Like just flip Austin Matthews and, and John Tavares once in a while. Just throw them out with each other's lines. See what happens. And I think the perfect like, opportunity you... to do that is after Mitchie plays on uh, the PK. Yeah, on the penalty kill. Throw out Matthews and Nylander. See what happens. But the, the only the only part of that that I would push up against, push back against, is that like you're all John Tavares doesn't kill penalties either. So like if you're doing that, you're basically benching John Tavares for a four-minute segment because he doesn't kill penalties. Unless you want to put him out there instead of Chucky, which like which is actually what happens right now. Yeah. Tavares, Matthews, and Nylander is what happens after PKs. 
But my point is, like, in regular five-on-five -five circumstances, just flip Matthews and Neil and Matthews and, and Tavares for a couple of shifts, just to fuck with the just to fuck with the coach. Yeah. Well, I don't think they should start doing that until playoffs. I mean, I'm fine with that too. Mainly because you're playing all the same teams right now. They're already getting a read for you. If you pull something out of your toolbox in the playoffs that nobody's seen before, you're going to be lethal. That's so true. That's so true. So keep that in your back pocket, Keith. And I, I, I'm pretty confident that he is because he is a coach that is willing to tinker and, and you know, shuffle the lineups. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if when it comes to playoff, he, he drastically changes how, how he formats the lineups within a game. Last night the game was stressful, but at the same time, it was had a lot of confidence building moments. Well, I mean, Simmons getting a goal was huge. Oh, huge! He needed that, and even Tavares scoring again, it just like you can tell that that he, line starting to gain momentum. He's buzzing. He, he's he's had a great week. He had a, a couple apples, couple goals. So good on him. But I think that's a good place to shift towards our buds, our dads, our dads. Uh, you want to lead this one off, or shall I? I'll, I'll leave it off. I'll lead it off this week, since you let it off last week. And my butt of the week is going to the man who scored his first goal as Maple Leaf. Fucking Chucky. Chucky! Chucky. Alex Galchenyuk, the bud for the week, because man, did that man deserve that goal. The guy's been busting his ass, hitting posts, and just doing everything he can for the team. He's... He's getting a new beginning here and just trying to find his way in the league. And he finally pots one, and it was well deserved. And you can tell when the, the celebration, the passion to be successful was there. I think he's realizing the opportunity he has here with this team, and I love it. So, Chucky, you busted your ass, and I appreciate all the work you've put in. You are my bud for the week. How about you, Dar? Um. Well, I mean, just to speak uh, on yours, uh, I can't really dispute anything because Chucky deserves it. And uh, he's worked hard and he's been through a lot uh, of adversity in his career. And he's finally had a team that's been patient with him. And he's and it's starting to show dividends. And, and that's what you want. And he's just I'm, been... I'm, st I'm still of the hope that we end up playing the Habs in the first round. And Ooh. then Chucky scores an overtime winner to, to kick them out. Be and sweet. it would be my dream. It would be the dream. I wouldn't even care if we ended up losing the next round. If we managed to eliminate the Montreal Canadiens and Alex Gedchenyuk, their third overall pick, scored the OT winner in the series clinching game, I would I would cry tears of joy because we could talk shit to Nathan for the rest of our lives. And it'd be the best. It'd be amazing. The guy you traded for Max Domi, who you then ended up trading, ended up scoring the OT winner to eliminate you from the playoff. It would be just it would be magical would be pretty great and we're rooting for it um but my bud of the week has to go to our captain john tavares interesting i thought you were gonna go with jack campbell i was considering it uh like, the guy's but I, I gotta i gotta mention this that like in this game last night if it were not for Travis Dermott and Justin Hall, that game would have been a whole different oh, story. That's fucking absolutely true. My God. They saved two off the oh, line. Oh, yeah. Off the fucking, like literally like millimeters away from being goals. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, as much as Jack Campbell had a great week, this, a last win does not happen without the help of his defensemen. So, as a whole, I think the, 
my my butt has to be JT. He you know he was in a slump. Everybody's ragging on him, saying, "Oh, why are we paying this guy eleven million dollars? Why is he our captain?" It's like, well, he has shown why he's our captain, and he has been the old JT that we know and love. And I I think it does, that it coincides with your butt in Chucky and having that that other winger that our second line double butts double butts <laughs> <laughs> all right so as far as my dud and it's real tough to pick a dud in a week where we win four games so i'm gonna go off the chart here a little bit and say it's the refs can't do that oh man they were so bad this week they're always bad I mean, they were so then bad that, that's a cop out man all right fine all right i have to pick someone it's going to be Zach Bogosian. Really? For two reasons. The first reason is that he takes so many stupid penalties. Like like penalties that have no need to be taken. And he just does... I, I, I don't know what it is. He just like somehow manages to take really dumb penalties on a consistent basis. But the second reason is that something that I said to you last night. Is that whenever he's holding the puck, he just seems so uncomfortable holding the puck. And so therefore makes dumb decisions sometimes and I almost wish he would just never touch the puck and just kind of let his defensive partner handle it because whatever he is holding the puck I just think he's I just think he's going to give it away he's just going to throw it at something so I need him to be a little bit more calm for someone who's that much of a veteran defenseman calm your shit with the puck and stop taking stupid penalties and uh, yeah so that's my dad for the week how about you Dara? Um, I mean, first of all, I I just gotta disagree. I I think that Bogosian's had a, a pretty good week, and I mean, everyone's had a good week. We won four zero. I'm picking fucking out of. I'm picking the scraps here, man. <laughs> <laughs> like those are obviously super nitpicky reasons, but like they're what I came up with. So fuck off. <laughs> um, my dad has to go to Ilya Mikheyev. Is that because he doesn't know how to score on a breakaway? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's certainly one of the reasons. Fuck. Oh, my God. I just think, like, I look at this guy's stat line, and I'm like... Should be higher. Like, this guy should be, honestly, among the top players in the league he's based Mike- on the chances he's I gotten. said this weeks ago, he's Michael Grabner. And the funny thing is... Is I, I think it was last week I heard uh, Craig Button saying the same thing. It's like, and he actually made the exact same comparison that he's Michael Gramner. He's a guy who's really fast and create chances, but he's not a goal scorer. And that's the problem. If he was a goal scorer, man, he'd be lethal. But oh my god, if he was if he was a goal scorer, he'd be Pavel Bure. Weirdest thing. Like think about it, if you could compare if you could compare Mikheyev to any NHL player, he's Pavel Bure. Just fucking wheels for days. Also Russian. Happens to fucking have decent hands. But the difference is Pavel Brewery can put the puck in the net. And, and Mikheyev <laughs> shoots at pads. But if you, if, I'm, but my point is, is that if, if Mikheyev was a goal scorer, he'd be Pavel Brewery. Yeah. Which is scary. I know. That's what it's like. And that's the sad part. Is like we, we, we like have this like ridiculous... Dream hope of of like who and what McKayev could be, but but 
basically what Craig Button's point was like, he's just not a goal scorer, so we got to stop expecting that from him. Yeah, I mean, he... Well, but the funny thing is that Andy Petrillo's point was like, but he gets so many chances that you just can't help but get your hopes up. And it's like, I totally agree with you, Andy. Like, the guy gets a fucking breakaway every game and scores once every 15 games. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Like, you can give me that many breakaways in a fucking NHL game. We'll and score I'd, more than that. Yeah, like, it's crazy. <laughs> Jesus, like... The amount of times he pulls it from the outside into the, like, he pulls it into the middle and tries to go 5 hole. He just has no creativity. But the 5 is never there when he tries he to do that. He doesn't have any creativity in his game. Man, he needs to just do a one-on-one with Mitchie but and, like, and Matthews. Like, how do you not have any creativity when the most creative players in the game are on your roster? See, the thing is, I would love to agree with you there, but... When you watch the shootouts that Matthews and Morris have taken, when it comes to breakaways, they don't have any creativity. Well, Matthews for, shoots the puck, and shoot, Marner shoots the puck on every fucking shooter. Here's the thing. Have. Every breakaway that McKayev has gotten has been a pressured breakaway. And in those situations, Matthews and Marner have plenty of, of creativity. But there's something about the shootout where it's the freedom and the no pressure to do what you want to do that sometimes guys get in their own heads I guess but I think you're being too nice to them but that's but fine. when it comes to Mikheyev the all the breakaways he gets are like half breakaways where there's a guy right on his ass or, or a guy trying to push him into the corner and he's cutting into the middle that that that's the type of style that uh it's style of breakaways that Mikheyev has been getting, and he hasn't had any success on them. So I, I, I wonder if the weird part is that like the uh, the term of the the sophomore slump has always been a thing. Like if you think about NHL players in history, like the sophomore slump is pretty, um, like with like superstars excluded. For the most part, the second year is usually pretty tough for players. And McKay- and we forget, even though McCabe is an older guy, we forget that he's in his second year in the league after coming off a catastrophic injury to his wrist. So I do give him some benefit of the doubt is the fact that like I do think he'll get better over time. And I appreciate every goal he scores, but it, he does leave you wanting more, which is the sad part. But it is what it is. Yeah. Leafs are winning. You can't be that mad. McCabe is a dud for the week. Mikheyev and Bogosian are the duds for the week. It is what it is. We have to pick them. They're not easy on games where we win all four. So, right? Just fucking deal with it. And, well, you should never, ever forget. What should they never forget, Dara? Is go. Leafs. Go! Woo!